Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. I just want to say something before I get started. This morning, I've been a part of seven different churches and staff positions and everything's like that and just volunteer worship positions and been a part of their worship team what we have here at Muncie First Church in our worship team is a true blessing it is amazing it is not normal friends to have this much talent in a church when it comes to music we are very very blessed and thank you Nathan for all that you do Well, this morning we're going to finish up our series entitled Trapped. Uh, We've been for several weeks now, it feels like, uh, talking about this. And and we've been trapped in this series called Trapped. So we're going to finish it. And and, uh, originally I was going to preach on jealousy this morning. And and we had had one that we were going to skip, a week that we were going to skip. And and that was anger. And I just really felt like God was saying that we needed to talk about that more so than jealousy. And so we're going to talk about anger this morning. And I think it's kind of fitting with Father's Day and whatnot, and that being perhaps an area where a lot of fathers maybe struggle. Um, and I mean, I think, I think a lot of us deal with anger, perhaps, in our life in different areas and different ways. And uh, if you were here a couple weeks ago when I preached on pride, I, I mentioned that that's kind of an area for me. There's, there's some things specifically, um, maybe where it's pride and anger uh, when I drive around town in the car. I have a tendency. I'm just going to be honest. I have got to admit some things. I, I have some issues. I sometimes pretend that the buttons on my steering wheel are rockets. You know, right? Amen. Right? Amen. Preach. Yeah. You know. I mean. I, you know. You just you just get stuck, and I have issues. I'm working them out right now. So you know, sometimes I get angry with my kids. No amens. Sometimes I get. You know, sometimes I get angry. Allison and I get angry at each other. Allison never gets angry. I get angry at her. Sometimes in friendships, workplace things. Sometimes even with God. Now, don't judge me just yet. But sometimes even with God. And I don't know about you, but I get angry about things that I think are actually like, it's okay to be angry about things like child abuse or rape, or when we hear about people taking advantage of other people, doesn't that just, oh man, I'm not sure that there is a lower person on the earth than someone who will take advantage of somebody who is completely innocent. That's hard. I I get frustrated and angry with that. And, you know, let me me tell you just kind of where it gets me the most, though, and and this is, again, a little bit more of a confession. It is with my kids. For those of you dads or just parents in general, isn't it just so strange that they have an ability to push literally every button that you have? I mean, you don't even know that you had those buttons. And they found them. And they pushed them all, didn't they? they and you're like 20 minutes into like this, this, you're just so mad you can't even think straight. And you're like, how did we get here? How did we go from this to this? And, and you know, they just know how to do it. You know, I, I don't understand that. 
I'm not going to give you any specific examples in my life in that because that we'd be here all day. You know, we, I just don't, we don't got the time. But that's, that's an area for me where I definitely sense that, that God is saying, hey, you, you, need, you need to work on some things. You know, as I said, there are some situations where I think it's okay for us to be angry about certain stuff. But, but what about when our anger grows to a point towards a spouse? What about when it's, it's just, we are just so angry with our spouse or, or an ex-spouse? What about when we're so angry with our children or, or, or a coworker? You got that coworker that sits in the cubicle next to you and they just, they just do things that irritate you? Anybody? You don't have to raise your hand. Maybe just, you know, nod in, in affirmation. Or maybe, you know, maybe it's the neighbor that's dogs bark all night long. You ever have one of those? Or the, or the neighbor that comes over and tells you at, really late at night, hey, hey, did your trash blow out of your recycling bin into my yard? Maybe that one's just me. That might, might just be me. That one might just be me, you know. Uh, but but here, here, here's the interesting thing. Is, is we, the temptation for us is to say, well, I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. Just frustrated, right? See, I think frustrated is just a really pretty way of saying you're angry. Because frustration will always begin to build into anger. It will grow. And we will eventually allow anger to take over in our lives. What about when anger takes over because you shot a bad game in golf? And you go home and take it out on your wife. Or your husband. Let's not assume that only men play golf. What about when a, when a person in your foursome, as you're playing golf, steals a birdie putt from you? It's a give me, and 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 because it's just that much too long. Again, that might just be me. I told Tim Kennedy I'd we'd be praying at the altar on Sunday. So, what about about when you had a bad day at work and come home and you you just you just take it out on your kids. And you're not even mad at them. Isn't that how it usually works? The person you take it out on is not the person that you're mad at at all. They just happen to be in the way at the moment when you let it go. What about when anger from past hurts dominates your everyday thinking? It just affects who you are. And you're not even mad at the people around you. You're mad about something that your dad did 20 years ago. Or that your mom did, or that somebody did to you way back when, and it just affects you every day. What about when anger destroys your marriage? It, it destroys your influence with your children because you're constantly yelling at them. Or what about when it messes up a, a, a family a relationship or, or just a friendship in general? What about when it begins to affect your ability to do your work every day? See, the danger with anger is it's one of those sins that has a tendency to kind of lead to other sins. It has a snowballing effect. When, I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but when we get mad, it starts out with something small. And next thing you know, you are so mad and so angry, you don't even remember what started it, right? You just, it's like, how did I get here? And anger doesn't always stop at just being mad at someone or a circumstance. Sometimes it goes way beyond that. And here's, here's kind of what scares me about my own anger and the time that I struggle with that. For me, I've started to notice that anger rubs off onto other people. Do you ever catch that? Think about it. When you're angry, it affects the people around you. You start to notice that, that 
other people are getting angry now. And, and it's affecting them. And, and it's, it, it's, it's rubbing off on your friends or your spouse or your children. See, I've noticed that my, my road rage issues have started to rub off on my kids. Uh, it's been a while now, but it was one day we were in the car. It was just me and, and, and the girls, Lila and Jocelyn. And we pull up to this light, and it was a red light. It was a totally normal situation. No reason to get upset. Totally normal situation. And there's a car in front of us that's not going. And I hear from the back seat, You idiot, just go! <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh no! What have I done? I mean, she's mad at a car that's supposed to be stopped. What about when it's a car that really is supposed to go? I mean, I'm, we're in trouble. And I started to notice that my anger is rubbing off on my kids. And, and, and honestly, I think most of the time I'd consider myself someone who doesn't really struggle with that. But I've noticed it when I see things like that happen. And it's one of those moments where you're like, ouch. Maybe I need to deal with something. And see, we've got to deal with this before it becomes a trap in our life. And so what I want to do this morning is I'd like to look at what Jesus had to say. I think if you're going to go to a scripture about anger, uh, there's probably not many better than, than just the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus speaks about anger. And he, if you want to turn there with me, you can. Matthew chapter 5 is where we'll be. Start with verse 21. If not, it'll be on the screen. It says this. I'm going to read it all the way through and then we'll go back and make some make some application points. This is this. You have heard that it was said to our people long ago, you must not murder anyone. Anyone who murders another will be judged. But I tell you, if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be judged. If you say bad things to a brother or sister, you will be judged by the council. And if you call someone a fool, you will be in danger of the fire of hell. So when you offer your gift to God at the altar, and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go and make peace with that person, and then come and offer your gift. If your enemy is taking you to court, become friends quickly before you go to court. Otherwise, your enemy might turn you over to the judge, and the judge might give you to a guard to put you in jail. I tell you the truth, you will not leave there until you have paid everything you owe. Let's pray for a second. Jesus, God, help us to understand this text. Speak to us from your word, Father, and allow it to illuminate the areas of our life that need to change. God, bring about conviction this morning as we line our life up to your words, Jesus, and ask the question, how are we doing? How am I doing? at living this out. God, help us. Help us to see your truth this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to go through this kind of verse by verse here and, and break it down a little bit. If you look at verse 21, Jesus says, You have heard it said, you've, or you've heard that it was said to our people long ago. Whenever you read that in the scriptures and you see that, you, you, whenever you see you have heard that it was said, just know that Jesus is about to say something profound. He is about to say something incredible. That's, that's one of those things like, remember your teachers used to say, okay, put your listening ears on. You know, that's when it's time to put your listening ears on. Because Jesus is about to say something that's going to change everything. 
He's about to say something. He's going to reach back to something that Moses said a long time ago in the law. And he's about to say, hey, you've heard what Moses said. You've known this your whole life. And now I say this. And he changes the game. And he says, you must not murder anyone. You've heard it was said, you must not murder anyone. And anyone who murders will be judged. Now, we're familiar with that. And I, I can't help but read this and kind of just immediately want to go, wait a second, Jesus. No one was talking about murder. Everything was perfectly normal. And you got to go bring that into the situation. We're not out here killing people. Most of us, right? You know, no. Be a few, but no, no. Most of us, we're not dealing with that. When I'm shooting my imaginary rockets, I'm just wanting them to blow up and move out of the way. No harm, nobody injured. I just want them out of the way. We're not killing anybody, but Jesus said, hey, you've heard it said. He's, he's going there. He's talking about murder. And he says, but I tell you, if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be judged. If you say bad things to a brother or sister, you will be judged by the council, and if you call someone a fool, you'll be in danger of the fire of hell. Jesus is putting murder and anger on the same level. They're on the same page here. He, he's not making a separation. They're in the same category. And I can't help, as a, as a reader, not you know, in this context, to look at this and say, Jesus, you're, you're getting way too intense. You need to back down a bit. This is too much for me to handle. Why do, why do you got to be so intense? I mean, think about it. Most of us, we're not killing people and, and we're not having that issue. You know, you're not going to McDonald's and then killing the drive through guy because you ordered a double cheeseburger and he gave you chicken nuggets. Right? I mean, we're not doing that. So why, Jesus, why make this point? Why, why go so intense? Here's what I think Jesus is trying to say. When we let our anger take over, it allows us to go to places in our heart it takes us to places in our heart that we shouldn't go. Now, and it allows hatred to begin to grow in our heart. Now, again, most of us aren't killing people physically, but what does happen oftentimes is that we kill the relationship. We murder the peace between us and a brother and sister in Christ. We kill off the peace because of our anger. The peace between us and another person is killed. Think about it. How many relationships do you know of? How many relationships have you had this happen in your own life that have, have been killed because there's no peace in that relationship? Because of some sort of, you got angry at them. And maybe it started off small and it was something insignificant. And next thing you know, you don't even remember why you're truly mad, but you are so mad that you can't even stand to be around that person. Now, I won't make you raise your hand, but I'm sure that's probably true for a lot of us. Isn't it? I mean, that happens. And no, we haven't physically killed anybody. But the peace in the relationship and the relationship itself has been killed. And Jesus continues, he says this, So when you offer your gift to God at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go and make peace with that person. And then come and offer your gift. If your enemy is taking you to court, become friends quickly before you go to court. Otherwise, your enemy might turn you in or turn you over to the judge, and the judge might give you to the guard to put you in jail. I tell you the truth, you will not leave there until you have paid everything you owe. Now, see, this is a game changer, and I think we miss this. I think we kind of skip over this. I think this is the part of the passage that puts us all on level ground. 
No matter how little anger affects us or how much anger affects us, I think this puts us all on level ground because we've all had disagreements with people. We've all had conflict. We've all been angry at some point. Even if it doesn't monopolize our thinking or affect us in a big way, we've all been angry. Amen? Okay, I just make sure I'm not the only one. You know, we've all been there. And this puts us on equal footing. And, and Jesus makes a big distinction here. He's, he's making a, a, a big point uh, of saying that it matters whether or not we're angry with a brother or sister in Christ. He's saying it's important whether or not there's peace in that relationship. We, we, we're not meant to just go on with life and not worry about whether or not we have peace in a relationship. In fact, he says it's so important here whether or not you have peace with a spouse or a boss or a child or a friend or an ex-spouse, it's so important that when you come to church and you're praying at the altar, if you realize you have a disagreement with someone, that you should leave and go make peace with that person. That'd really mess with our church attendance. It'd be hard to keep track of numbers. Well, they were here for the first half and they had to get up and go because they realized they had a disagreement with about three different people. Can we count those three people? You know, I mean, it's just really confusing. But, I mean, think about it. It's so important to Jesus that he says, hey, stop communing with God in prayer and go deal with that issue. Leave church. I'll give you a few minutes if you need to get up and go. No, I mean, we're not going to do that. But, but that's how serious it is. And I know it doesn't seem that big of a It's like, oh, whatever, you know. I had to leave because we had to make, get to a barbecue early, you know, or whatever. No, no. I mean, he's literally saying, stop praying. Don't give your offering. Go right now and make amends and make peace. Because that's more important than whether you give to God or whether you're in prayer with God. That's huge. That is huge. Look at what... The brother of Jesus has to say about this. In James chapter 1, I, gotta, I, I have to say before I mention this, think about, I don't think we always think of this very often when we think of James. James was the younger brother of Jesus. And James did not believe Jesus was who he said he was until after the resurrection. And so whenever you read James, remember that. Because think about this. How much would it take for you to convince your brother or sister that you're the son of God? I mean, some of us might have tried, but that's, that's, that's going to take a lot. And James didn't believe Jesus was who he was, said he was until after the resurrection. And then he became one of the biggest and, and earliest leaders in the church. And he says this in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. It says, my dear, brother, or sorry, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. It's like, take, if you're writing notes, take note. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, James is so practical. If you ever want to read a practical book in the Bible, just read James. You'll probably be upset afterwards because he says some things that are just, he's right to the point, but so practical. And he, I think he gives us our application for the message today in verse 19. But I want to look at verse 20 real quick. It says, this is, this is why all this matters. This is why this is so important that we talk about anger. He says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. 
See, when we have conflict with one another, when we're angry with one another, when a relationship is broken and there's a dispute and, and, and there's, a, there's an issue between you and another person, it's much like it was with pride. It becomes all about me. It's all about me. I mean, think another way of saying this, I mean, because it produces within us this, this wrong kind of righteousness. And another way of saying this would be to say it like this. <clears throat> it produces the wrong kind of rightness in us. See, anger-fueled conflict becomes a fight of who is right. Think about that for a second. Every conflict you've ever had with anyone was conflict about who is right. I'm right. No, you're right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. Well, I'm really right. Right? It's, it's all it is. It's, it's, a, it's a battle for I think I'm right and you think you're right. Who's going to win? And the interesting thing here is and if you get nothing out of this message other than this, at least take this. We want to be right at each other, but God wants us to be right with each other. We want to be right at each other, but God wants us to be right with each other. And there is a massive distinction in that. We can't always be right and be right at someone or right with someone, sorry. I mean, think about it like this. How many times have, have you been right in a situation? You were right. You knew you were right, and you made your point, and you were right. But you weren't right with that person anymore. And dads, we can write our children right out of a relationship with us just by simply being right all the time. If we make it our mission to prove to our kids that we are right all the time, we won't be right with them anymore most likely same with a spouse i mean it feels good to be right doesn't it don't you like that it's like oh man i was so right and you're so wrong i mean it happens like twice a year for me i mean so i really like i feel good those two two times a year i'm really like on cloud nine and i'm like yes and I, and allison's so smart so i really do have to make a point when i actually am right like you know i'm like i actually i got you there you know but but if we do that all the time, every day you come home and it's like your personal mission to say, I'm right and you're wrong, you're going to write them right out, out the door into divorce, into no longer wanting to be in relationship with you. And we do this with our employees, people that work for us, people that we work with, our kids, our spouse, our neighbors. I mean, I, I think, I'll be honest, I think Christians, I think this might be one of our biggest struggles is that we like to prove to the rest of the world that we're right, and we write them right out of ever going to church. I know that might sting a little bit, but we can't always be right and be right with people. It's difficult. And so how do we fix this? How do we fix this? How do we stop this whole, I've got to be right, I, I, I want to make sure that you know I'm right. And I mean, how do we deal with our anger as it relates to relationships and our, and our, and our situations and, and, and even our uh, you know, frustration, which we might say is kind of like that beginning building block of anger? How do we deal with this? Well, I think it's back to what James says in verse 19 here. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. 
and slow to become angry. See, James tells us how to deal with this. He's giving us the, the, the answer right there. Because if we want to overcome anger, if we want to overcome conflict and overcome frustration in our marriage with our kids, at work and in church and wherever we go, all we have to do is practice this idea of becoming quick to listen and slow to speak. It's interesting. You cannot get angry with someone if you are always being quick to listen. Because... You, you, you set yourself up to learn why they think what they think, how they do what they do and why they do it and all that. Because you're, you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to push pause on my lips. And I know that's hard for some of us. There are some in the room, maybe we, we, our spouses wish they had a remote. We could just, why doesn't this work? You never shut up. Uh, you know, we, we need to learn how to push pause on our own talking and push record on the ears. Be quick to listen so that we can learn from them. We can understand why they think what they think and why they do what they do and how they believe and all of that. And we're slow to speak. See, I think that it takes the focus off of me and puts the focus on you when we do that. It makes it less about me getting my opportunity to tell you all the great wisdom that I have and me hearing all the great wisdom that you have. And the interesting thing with that is it also makes it that much better when I finally do get to speak. Because I have learned from you. I have heard you. And I understand you. And therefore what I have to say will be better when it finally comes. And ultimately, the slower I will become angry. Now, I, could, I feel like we could spend a whole other hour just talking about those two verses, but I really want to boil it down to this. I think it boils down to this question. When it comes to the, to the people that we are angry with, how are we doing at listening to them? How are you doing at listening to the person that angers you the most? How are you doing at listening to your spouse or your kids or your neighbor that drives you insane? How, how are you doing? I mean, I realize, I was thinking about this, and I was like, you know, there are just some people out there that you could listen to them all day, and all they say is crazy. So, I mean, it's not going to do you any good, you know, in that situation. Like, I mean, you're, you can listen to them all day, and nothing they say makes any sense. I mean, I have a family member that we have just realized, like, we're just going to agree to disagree. I, I could listen to his opinion about politics, about religion, and all of that all day long, and we're never going to be on the same page. Never. But I don't have to be angry at him. I don't. I don't have to carry anger in my heart for him. I can say, you know what? I still love you, and I will listen to you. We won't always agree. That's okay. That's okay. But I don't have to be angry. So I understand that. Some of you, we won't have you stand up or say anything, but most of us could probably say amen to that. There's at least one person in our life that no matter what they say is just crazy, right? You know, it, but, but, but we should still be quick to listen and slow to speak. So what I want to do to close this service out, I want to do something a, a, a little bit different. I, I'm certain that when we started ta talking about anger this morning, you knew instantly who your person was, right? I mean, you know, you don't have to think about it very long. Who am I angry with? Well, I don't know. We know. 
we know who those people are. And so what I want to do is if you take your bulletin out, the, the back of the bulletin, there's a space where you can write notes. And what I would encourage you to do is to, as we go into prayer this morning, um, Nathan's going to sing, and, and uh, I would encourage you to just write that name down. If that person's sitting next to you, don't write their name down. Maybe write a code name. <laughs> you know? But write that name down. You can't possibly be mad at her. She's put up with too much. <laughs> but write that name down, or those names down. And I encourage you to pray for them this morning. Either at your seat or at the altar or wherever you feel comfortable doing so. Maybe it helps to bring, their na- bring that paper up to, to the altar and literally kind of lay it at the feet of Jesus and just pray for them. And the challenge is to, is to not just pray for them that you know, God will change their mind or change them, but that God will change you. And that God will help you to become quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry when it comes to that person. That you may begin to listen to them and hear their heart and understand why they are the way they are and why they think the way they think and the why they believe what they believe and, and that it would give you opportunity to, to be able to share your heart with them and, and, and maybe mend that relationship and bring peace into that relationship. And the challenge is not to just pray for them this morning, but to pray for them every day this next week and see if it does not change that relationship. Because I believe with all my heart that if we would begin to pray, as Jesus talks about praying for our enemies and praying for those who persecute us, if we would pray for those people, that peace might just take over in that relationship and we wouldn't be trapped by anger anymore with those people. And so the challenge is to pray and to remember that God wants us to be right with one another, not right at one another. I challenge you, in this, not just again, not just today, but for the rest of this week. We're going to sing the song, Reckless Love, that we sang earlier, right? And there's a line in the song that kind of got me as we were singing earlier. It says, when I was your foe, you still fought for me. We were the enemy of Jesus, the enemy of God. And he still sent his son Jesus to die for us and to fight for us on a cross. And if he would do that, who was innocent, had no shame, no sin, he did that for us. Why don't we fight for peace in relationships with our kids that it's, we've lost that relationship or with our spouse that we've lost that relationship or, or a family member or a friend or a neighbor or a coworker? Why don't we fight for them this morning in prayer and take it to God and say, Jesus, help me. I don't know how else to fight other than just to put this at your feet. Can we do that this morning, church? Let's stand together and pray. slow to speak and slow to become angry. God, help us, Jesus. Help us 
in this area of life. It's, it's so easy. It's so easy to let it just build and build and to never deal with it and to think it's not that big of a deal or I'll just get over it later. God, help us to, to make sure that we have peace in our relationships and we don't let anger kind of linger on and build and allow it to grow. And it's such a trap, Jesus. Help us to, to not be trapped by it. Lord, I pray for those in the room right now that are wrestling with this and that they have maybe several names on their list of people that they're frustrated with or they're angry with God or who've hurt them and they're just carrying that around every day. Help us to just lay that at your feet and trust you. And God, allow us to, to be people that will pray for those people who hurt us, those people who've wronged us or those that we have a dispute or conflict with. God, help us to pray for them. Show us how to pray for them and show us how to love them and, and to truly live out what you've said and, and the idea that we are to love our neighbor as our own. May we be an example of that, Jesus. Wherever we go and whatever we do. God, we pray for those who are up at the altar right now and then those who've come and whatever they're wrestling with and family things and, and health issues and different stuff that's going on in the church. Lord, we just surrender that and put it at your feet. We love you, Jesus. Go with us this week and, and help us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. Have a great day and happy Father's Day.